one and two and one, two, three. Hey, check it out. Hey, check it out. It's a podcast. It's called Hey, Check It Out. It's got me. I'm Anna. It's got her. She's Corey. It's got him. He's Josh. And we're going to check it out. What you may ask? Well, I'll tell you. It's murder in a blue world. It's got a very handsome man and a very pretty lady and a bunch of people who get stabbed in the chest. It's pretty good. I really liked it. We're going to talk about it in more detail. Hey, check it out. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hey, Check It Out. I am Josh A. Kagan with me, at, as always, Coriander Dickinson and Anna Wasserman. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Perfect. <laughs> And indeed, we are talking about 1973's Spanish indescribable genre. It's 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 a, it's a bunch of genres. It's a whole bunch of movies packed into Clockwork this movie. Orange genre because then I feel like you can narrow it. It's so, well, we'll get into it. We'll get uh, so we're talking about uh, Eloy de la Iglesia's 1973's Murder in a Blue World, a.k.a. Una Gota de Sangre para Morir Amando, which means a drop of blood to die loving. And when it was released in the uh, UK and when it got a video release across Europe, it was also referred to as... <gasps> A Clockwork Terror. We've mentioned A Clockwork Orange 92 times already in the first minute. We're going to talk about it uh, because this movie s liberally samples it's A Clockwork Orange. It is. It's it's baked in. It's uh, it, crea it creates its own gravy when you add water. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But uh, a few a few notes on our director because uh, a lot of us yanks uh, we don't know so much about Eloy De La Iglesia, and that's too bad because he was fucking awesome. He was a kick-ass gay socialist Spanish filmmaker. His career can kind of roughly be divided into uh, three eras. The first era is when he was getting his start, late 60s, early 70s, he made exploitation films. And uh, the reason why he made exploitation films is because he has always been this incredibly outspoken, like I said, socialist, very out queer person. And he was all of these things in Francoist Spain under fascist rule. As we've learned from the history of exploitation films, when people want to put out strong political and gender non-conforming and gay messaging and queer messaging into their movies under the noses of, say, a fascist dictatorship, sneaking that into exploitation movies is the way to go uh, because uh, critics didn't really pay much mind to them. The censors were too busy going like, oh, you can't have that cleaver in that person's head and you can't do this and take that out to not notice any sort of, you know, undertones or references that might be snuck in. And actually this particular movie we're going to talk about has a fair amount of queer content. Like it's not even particularly hidden, but it's not like, at the same time, it's not it's not a light hung on it per se. I will discuss. So during this era, uh, he made the you should see all of these movies, by the way, uh, because all of them have gotten Blu-ray releases in the States in the last few years. Uh, Cannibal Man, which is 
a serial killer slasher movie that is also secretly just the biggest fuck you to uh, consumerist, capitalist, and fascist society. Uh, the idea of people being turned into soulless worker drones. Literally, a man feeds his murder victims to a computer at his uh, at the butcher plant where he works. It's astonishing. Uh, also, just so heavy on the gore, so heavy on the queer coding, and so heavy on just the grubby desperation of working a shitty job in Francoist Spain. It's goddamn incredible. Uh, then there's No One Heard the Scream. My least favorite out of the three movies I'm going to mention and the ones that you can get. Uh, it is a sort of kind of giallo. Uh, it is closer to the sort of Umberto Lenzi, Carol Baker gialli, which is to say not as heavy on the murder, more on sort of the sexy intrigue. But it, it is it is pretty good, and I probably need to watch it again. And then the movie that we're going to talk about today, Murder in a Blue World. So that's the uh, exploitation epoch. And of course, that's what I'll be discussing because that's my shit. When Franco died uh, in the late 70s, besides giving Saturday Night Live its first running joke, uh, Generalissimo Franco is still dead. Ask your grandparents. He was able to make the subtext text, and he made a series of uh, very political issue, sexually charged movies directly addressing like government corruption, directly addressing homosexuality, directly addressing a bunch of stuff that he had to sort of sneak as the secret toy surprise in his uh, sleazy bloody movies of the early 70s. And then when we get him into the 80s, I don't think he created this genre, but it is a genre of Spanish juvenile delinquent movies called Quinquies. Uh, I might be butchering that. Q-U-I-N-Q-U-I. I think it's supposed to sort of sound like kinky, but it's a uh, quinqui. And uh, the sort of closest American equivalent that I can think of is stuff like Sort of stuff like Kids or Gummo, although these are more like straightforward narratives. I believe they're still scripted. And he actually used like actual street kids and hustlers. And these were just like real gutter level stories of uh, kids busting their hump uh, to survive the outside world, to survive being runaways, to survive drug addiction. De La Iglesia himself became a heroin addict during this era, uh, which uh, which kind of took him out of circulation for a very long time. Uh, he ended up making his last movie in like 2003, if I remember correctly. But even though like you've got these three eras, the themes run throughout. He is anti-fascist. He is anti-machismo, anti-toxic masculinity, anti-consumer, anti-capitalist. He's fascinating. He's fascinating. He is, uh, he is in many ways, he was the guy who walked so well Motivar could run. Um, and uh, I, I introduced my buddy Dave Melito, who, of course, we did the Black Lizard episode with uh, to this. And he was just like, 
that's Pedro, that's Pedro, that's Pedro, that's Pedro, <laughs> as we were watching Murder in a Blue World. So that's kind of my spiel. Uh, go look up this guy. Go read his wiki. Most of the movies I talked about are on Severin, and then I think one of his uh, kinky movie, quinky movies is on uh, Vinegar Syndrome, except this one, uh, Murder in a Blue World, which has been released by Cauldron Films, and as Anna learned, cannot be purloined from the dark web. Unfortunately, had to uh, had to buy it. Sorry, Anna. You know what? Sometimes if you're going to do a podcast, you have to you have to actually support the artists. Uh, and uh, and if you besides the fact that the uh, Blu-ray is fucking gorgeous, Cauldron does really good work. I think they're a real up and coming physical media distributor. Uh, it has a wonderful commentary by one of my favorite film historians, Kat Ellinger. Uh, I don't know if you two got a chance to listen to her spiel. It's like having Mrs. Potts uh, from Beauty and the Beast uh, explain exploitation movies to you. It is the greatest thing ever. Uh, and she's brilliant. And so anything smart that I remember during this, it's just from her commentary. She's brilliant. You should check her out. Opening thoughts, my friends, on this movie. It's a cool movie. I liked it. There's big blocks of color, lots of really hard lights that are like either everywhere or making big, strong shadows. There's a huge variety of shots. There's always like stuff in the foreground, like lamps and microphones. Yep. That's fun. I don't remember if that's an old Bava trick or if that's just an old cinematography trick in general, but like to give your shot, to break up your shot and make it a little more interesting, just shove something right in front of it and then work around it. Uh, I'm generally in lockstep with Ellinger, but she refers to this movie as a giallo and at the expense of being one of the uh, stupid boys with glasses that she makes fun of. I see where she's coming from because stylistically it is very giallo uh, in the lighting in the in the very cool sets in the very mod feel it's not much of a mystery like and that's no. again <laughs> no, no mystery wait, really. someone is trying to solve a mystery someone somewhere off camera yeah somebody's very concerned about all of these murders but nobody's doing a ton about it you should be upset about the fact that they haven't sorted it out yet Oh, and it's uh, it's also a science fiction movie. It takes place uh, it takes place in that sort of max headroom twenty minutes into the future. Uh, it's not it's not the future future, but uh, according to Alger's commentary, uh, De La Iglesia was like, this is like ten years from now. So mm. it's like it's supposed to be nineteen eighty three. I think in some ways he stuck to it. Like it's interesting. Uh, it, it it could it doesn't. It doesn't exactly feel like Tenebrae, but at the same time, I'd watch those two movies together uh, to, uh, if for no other reason, Tenebrae also is supposed to take place in the future. I think uh, I think uh, Argento's drunk uh, when he says stuff like that, but uh, regardless. Um, Anna, what'd you think? I liked it. It was, um, like, it really ticked along. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't boring. Uh, I appreciate, like, the utter, like, unmitigated gall of just being like, you know what? I liked a lot of Clockwork Orange, so I'm just going to do that for a while. Um, like, it's not, and I mean, it's not just Clockwork Orange, but it definitely likes Clockwork Orange a lot. It, yes. And we'll talk about it. But We will, we will absolutely talk about it. Uh, Clockwork Orange uh, was not 
did not obviously mm. fucking get a release in Francoist Spain. Uh, mm. I, uh, uh, De La Iglesia had to fuck off to uh, another more elevated part of Europe where he saw the movie. And again, Ellinger's commentary, uh, where he saw the movie eight times and then <laughs> went back to Spain, took uh, the this draft uh, uh, of his screenplay out of his drawer and added in the entire Clockwork Orange references. And that makes sense because that's what it feels like. Yes. It feels like there's the Clockwork Orange part and the Giallo part. I agree with you. It doesn't feel like exact. It, it doesn't follow the exact template of Giallo, but it's definitely Giallo influenced in a heavy degree, right? It's just yeah. Uh, more, it's just he I, couldn't. It looks like he couldn't give a crap about following like about making up quote unquote proper Giallo. He just likes parts of it, and he took the, like this whole movie is like, hey, I like this stuff. I like that stuff. I'm gonna put it in my movie. I'm gonna put everything. Yeah, this is another one of those. I don't know if I'm making another movie ever in my life, so I'm gonna make the whole all the movies I ever wanted to make right now. Yeah. And of course, Euro cult movies have this sort of magpie quality to them. The Italians, we were mm -hmm. just talking about this mm -hmm. before we turned on the mics. The, uh, the Italians of course were had absolutely no problem just picking and choosing from the salad bar of Western culture to make their movies. And when this movie came out in Spain, Spanish critics who had not seen a clockwork orange, <laughs> immediately started carrying all the water for Kubrick being like, <laughs> how dare you, Eloy de la Iglesia, rip off this masterpiece that none of us have seen um, <laughs> and referred to the movie as a clockwork tangerine. Take that, Eloy de la Iglesia. Iglesia had to like do like a publicity tour just be like, they should, of course, you know, well, if our government allowed the movie to be shown in our country. You could put this in the theater next to a clockwork orange and people could watch both of them and make up their own minds. This is satire. This is homage. And to be fair, when we get to that scene, mm -hmm. De La Iglesia is like, Hey, this yeah. is like a clockwork orange. Yeah. He all but walks, he all but like stops the film, walks in front of the camera, is like, Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello my I am doing a I am doing a riff on a clockwork orange. Please enjoy. Um, <laughs> and now for Lolita. <laughs> oh no. Sorry. I, uh, no, I do I, the shining. Do the shining. <laughs> I don't know what era this guy is shouting from. <laughs> Ten minutes in the future. <laughs> Clearly. There you go. <laughs> Look, it's a real interesting movie. I think mm -hmm. definitely, and especially after it got re-released re as a Clockwork Terror, the party line on this was like, it's a European Clockwork Orange ripoff. And I say it isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't think it is. I think it, I, I, he all, you know, the guy made movies kind of like, they were, they were almost more like newspapers. Like, I don't think he, he didn't mean it to be, I don't think he intended his films to be disposable. I'm sure he didn't, but it's the kind of thing where it's just like, it's an exciting part of genre filmmaking and it's an exciting part of exploitation filmmaking, this sort of seat of your pants. This thing happened today. Let's put it in the movie. I don't know if anyone's going to remember this tomorrow, but we got this right now and we might as well talk about it. Uh, because there was no home video. I mean, like a movie went into a theater and then it disappeared forever and ever. Uh, so, but we'll get into all of this. But uh, we we open on well, a. I, 
I'd oh. like to throw a warning in at the beginning that oh, there's yes, a needle. Oh, yes, there is a there we and we would address that when we get to that too. But if you don't want to see a needle go into a skin, uh don't watch this movie or fast forward past the time code just, that I should have logged. Just like my girlfriend who has a thing about needles did not enjoy seeing that. It's happen. very close up on the shot. It's oh. very close up and it's like five hours long. It's super, yes. Um, uh, Ellinger, uh, who I adore, uh, dur during that shot, she was like, and here's an interesting fact. This was the first needle in an Eloy de la Iglesia movie, and he used so many more needles after that. And it's like, this is something we should celebrate. <laughs> okay, I'll, mar I'll mark it in my calendar. I fine with needles, so it doesn't bother me, but also, like, uh, as, I, as I think I've expressed before, I don't get bothered a lot by movies for the most part, because I guess I'm dead inside or something. Uh, well, uh, whole cities of people are, are dead and they don't even know it. That's so true. I have heard that. So, uh, so uh, trigger warnings, uh, needle being jabbed in the arm, uh, very mild takes on clockwork orange style ultraviolence. I'd call it semi-violence. Like it's the- <laughs> yeah. It's more about yeah. the whips, really. It's more. <laughs> so it's all about oh, yeah. the whips. Oh yeah, they have whips. Yeah, they <laughs> have they're, whips. They're adorable. They're the most adorable. I I ref I've been referring to them as drogues. They're not. They're, they're not, not drogues. The no. They're the they're the drogues. Uh, which is a real word because apparently I didn't look it up, but uh, my spell check didn't flag it. Although my spell check might have given up on me because I half of the words I use are nonsense words. Okay. Foul. Drink blue. Murder in a blue world. We see an in-wall giant future TV with an advertisement for either blue drink, if you are watching the English version, or Atules, uh, if you are watching the Spanish Ooh, version. The bottle says drink blue. Yes, they refer to it in the commercial as Atules, so it is, uh, it is both. Question for the group. Go on. What, what language did you all watch this in? Uh, Spanish. Spanish with English subtitles, and then I watched it with the commentary, so I forgot all of the dialogue. I watched it in the English dub because it was the first option on the Blu-ray, so I figured it was probably the... Nor and as we all know, no one watches in their language mm -hmm. or origin. And like, I'm thinking of watching the dub next. Like, next time I watch this movie, I will want to watch the English dub. Yeah, the, the actors are speaking five different languages anyway. Oh, yeah. And so it just depends on what language you feel like seeing sync up. So I decided English. Yeah. How is the dub? The dub is fine, especially since like two out of three of the main characters are speaking English anyway. It, it, it is true. And it's always, look, it's always six and one and a half of those and the other. We've talked yeah. about this before. It honestly just comes down to the quality of the dub and if you want to hear the original actors' voices. In this case, as Anna points out, Sue Lyon uh, and uh, Chris Mitchum are both English speaking actors. And if you want to hear their voices, the English dub is the way to go. Um, although Sue Lyon, uh, Kat Ellinger mentioned that she was a, a fluent Spanish speaker. She might've done her own dub, but that I, but I don't know about that. Yeah. And at, at any rate, like my, my, the entire logic behind it was, Oh, the English dub is listed first. And this is like a high quality Blu-ray release. So maybe that's the language I'm supposed to listen to watch it in and i i've been burned by pieces and trying to watch it in spanish so oh it, it's funny right 
I am 99% of the time like if it's, there is an original language and it makes sense to watch it in the original language, you might as well because I, and I've said it before, I feel like a bad dub adds a layer of goofy to movies that don't need help being goofy. Sure. Uh, the exception is the Spanish masterpiece uh pieces um which is just which is a gift from heaven uh and the dub on it like the rest of the movie is so upside down and backwards that it's just like it just adds to the surrealness of the whole affair anyways we've got a big old future tv in our wood paneling wall uh we have an ad for drink blue and uh it's important to know that this has no glutamate everyone And it is being watched by Sue Lyon. Uh, Sue Lyon, of course, played uh, Lolita in Stanley Kubrick's Lolita. And now she's all grown up. And she is in her uh, lovely, well-appointed bedroom uh, watching uh, this commercial. And then we go to a newscast. And the newscaster is saying, like, hey, you know those murders that have been happening? Still going on. Young men between the ages of 17 and 25, they're getting deaded all over the place. And uh, you know what? Look, we're all friends here. We can assume that this is the work of a sadistic homosexual. Opening credits. (laughs) (laughs) What other possibility is there? Uh, you know, uh, not in 19, I, this is the thing I, I was, I was reading a little about De La Iglesia, uh, and just sort of that era of Spain. It has to tie in, uh, 1970 is when Spain passed its most strident anti-homosexual laws. Uh, so not certainly not a great time or place. Uh, you know, in all the things that I'm reading and hearing about De La Iglesia, nobody's explaining to me how this dude managed to just zizz on through being a gay, gay, gay socialist, making weird gay socialist movies, and somebody didn't just throw him in a in a hole. Uh, this guy was a fucking badass. But uh, one of the things that I read is that, uh, you know, these laws what you know they were like you could be arrested you lose your job all sorts of things but you also had to if you were caught in the act of homosexuality if you were arrested for this you also had to go to like deprogramming re-education gross which is real yuck and gross but also thematic Really fucking ties it. That was a real oh, aha yeah. for me. Really fucking ties in to sort of the purloining of certain aspects of Clockwork Orange, uh, which we will get to. Credits roll. We have a aerial shot of a hospital, and we've got like do 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 do. Welcome to Beige City. It's the beigest city <laughs> in the world. I don't know where this is actually, where they shot it, uh, but it's uh, it's real beige. Maybe it was Beijing. Good one. Uh, <laughs> but now we're at a special occasion uh, in a big white room. Uh, a, we're in a big hospital and uh, the big hospital is given a big award. And, uh, and the, the director of the hospital is like, OK, everybody, hold on to your fucking hats. I know we usually give this to doctors, but there's a woman present who's pretty good at her job. You might have to lay down. Everybody lay down. We'll bring in stretchers. We are giving this award 
to a nurse. And here is Sue Lyon. Uh, she all dressed up in her Major Barbara finest, and uh, and she she goes up and she accepts the award. We learn that her name is Anna. <gasps> but that's mine. Yeah, that's going to cause some confusion. Anna with one end. Anna. 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 We'll say Anna. Problem solved to avoid confusion. Everybody applauds, including her uh, Ken doll boyfriend, who is uh, just one of the most benignly handsome men in the history of <laughs> European cinema. That is the French actor Jean Sorel, uh, who did, uh, you know, like actual movies. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in a bunch of like French New Wave classics. and uh, But he is also like, he is also a giallo mainstay. He is mm-hmm. like one of the like, like even like pre George Hilton. He was like one. Of, he was in the not the first, obviously not the first giallo, but he was in uh, he was in a movie called uh, The Sweet Body of Deborah, which was Lucio Fulci's favorite giallo and inspired him to make his first Gialli in the late 60s, a perversion story, a.k.a. one on top of the other, which Jean Sorel was then in. Jean Sorel was also in Full Cheese, Lizard in a Woman's Skin. Uh, you two should absolutely fucking see. Unless you like monkeys. What, what's that? Wait, no, unless you like dogs. Unless you like dogs or fake dogs. Uh, that there is a there's a weird scene in Lizard. There's a bunch of weird scenes in Lizard. Yeah, I mean, yeah but there's a specific. Weird there's a specifically weird scene. So Sorel is here, and at this point, by 1973, and and Ellinger says as much. It's just sort of like if you are putting Jean Sorel in your brightly colored super mod murder movie, obviously you are tipping your hat to Gialli. Mm. So he's bland. He's blandly handsome. I think his name's Victor, but I just refer to him as Dr. Handsome. Dr. Meatlocker. Dr. Meatlocker. He's a very blandly pretty man. He looks like, uh, I don't think, I think this is before both of your times, but uh, there is like an American, uh, an American presenter named John Davidson, who has that sort same sort of like playable person, Kendall look about him with the hair that looks like it just snaps on and snaps off. I think he co-hosted That's Incredible. But anyways, Dr. Handsome, now they're in the garage, and uh, he's like, hey, let's go out for an awesome dinner because you're awesome and you won this award. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. I don't, I don't care think about they're this award. dating. I don't think they're in a romantic relationship. Dr. Handsome she's been wants like pushing to. him off for years. Yeah. And he's very like corporate track in the hospital, so he's like on the board that gives the awards. I got sort of kind of dating i mean they spend any scene where she's not by herself or murdering spoiler by the way she's the murderer for the next spoiler for the next 15 minutes yes she spends most of her time by you know like either in his car or by his side but yes they never seem to kiss or hug or do anything here's my take is that a dr hansen very much wants to be dating her and keeps trying to be dating her and is rebuffed but also i think she does like him but because of her pro- proclivities, I think she sta- tries to keep him at arm's length because she knows what's going to happen. And it would be bad <laughs> for everybody. I don't think she's attracted to him. No, he's, yeah. still, he's in her demographic. of. Well, I guess he's no, a little old. He's, he's not her type. He's very pretty, though. I don't think she has it. I mean, this is a thing that we will also get into. Uh, she certainly, I don't. I don't she's obviously not asexual because she very obviously has sex in this movie. But I think 
I think she regards sex as part of the as which we will see as sort of part of the game. Mm. It's a means to an end. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. She doesn't have the she doesn't seem to have feelings. No, she's got like such a flat affect for the whole movie, other than when she like opens her eyes wide and does like vampire eyes at people. Yes. yes. Her eyes get progressively wider and wider throughout the course of the movie until the end of the movie. She's basically just one of the residents. Like she's just one giant <laughs> she's just one gigantic eyeball on a neck. <laughs> she almost shows almost not an ounce of emotion until the very end of the movie. And it is it's pretty amazing perform. I mean, so I think Sue Lyon's fucking incredible in this. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. very good. But yeah, Corey, I buy that. I don't think she's into this guy, but I do think that I think that there are appearances that she feels like must be kept up. Yeah. This this is very much like part of her thing is very like outside life, inside life. Like when she's home, she's a different person. Huh, interesting. I can't imagine anything else that would be on De La Iglesia's mind uh, when it comes to <laughs> okay. when it comes to uh, that particular kind of code switching. Fascinating. Weird. I am convinced I no longer think that she's into Jean Sorel. I was probably just projecting because I think he's so pretty. He's he's real pretty, but he's real boring. Yeah, he's real vacant. That, well, that's why I thought maybe she just wanted to, you know, give him the stabby stabs. I don't like people that do mind electricity experiments on criminals. Well, no, but she <laughs> oh, doesn't yeah, know that yet. Yeah. I know that. I'm not expect. I'm not, we're not worried about whether you're going to date John Sorrell. All right. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little worried. Is John Sorrell even still alive? I, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I one of the I one of all your bliss for Jean Louis Chignon. He I think he, either he or Sorel passed away recently. There, there's that mm. era. I by the way I mispronounced John uh, John Sorel or whatever Chignon Chignon. Anyways, uh, yes that guy. Uh, Similarish. Okay. Anyways, I don't care about the uh, award says Sue Lyon, but if you're buying. I'm snacking and they pile into his car and they drive away just as an ambulance pulls into a space and uh, yanks out a stretcher with bloody face. Jesus Christ. on it. We are now at the nothing but candles restaurant. You know, when you have a low budget there, you pick your battles and sometimes you have an amazing future. Awesome apartment. And sometimes you put 600 fucking candles behind your two actors and a mirror behind that. And you go, this is a fancy restaurant. So that's where we are. Dr. Handsome once he's like, you know, you're so smart and you're so good at what you do. I, it's weird that you're a nurse. You should be a doctor. And she's like, yeah, no, uh, I don't like the coldness. She doesn't want to see her patients as just like numbers or a thing to be experimented on or whatever. She just wants to provide love and care. And Dr. Kendall is like, love doesn't have a place in surgical procedure. What people want more than love is to not die. And I think I think Maslin's hierarchy might it might shrug its little pyramid shoulders a little, but like, uh, you know, uh, that seems I, I'm fair. I, I, fair I, I, I mean, I mean more details and parameters here, but 
I think in general, that's probably about true. Very good call. Uh, oh, and by the way, say, guess what? I'm going to be on TV, he says. So uh, I don't want to like be like smug or anything, but you should watch me on TV, baby. Wink. Uh, so now Anna and her many wigs, lots of wigs. Anna's lots got a wigs. lot of wigs. They're watching TV because Dr. Boring is going to be on. But first, we get we get an ad for panther underwear <laughs> and it's so great i love it's so it great. especially okay so, so like there's a big comic panel up in the background of like a tarzan thing and then a guy who's i he's not bodybuilder like not not anywhere near a modern day bodybuilder style thing he's just got the underwear on and at the end of the commercial it like zooms in on his crotch and it splits mm-hmm. down the middle and it's like opens like curtains <sighs> And I. Hello. Hey, Hi. hey, Anna. Hi. I have feelings about that. <laughs> I have trans feelings about that. Oh, oh, oh. I just have like okay. I and it could not begin to guess how intentional this is, but like you're taking like the standard and like the film, which we'll learn later, obviously has a complicated relationship with this kind of machismo. Obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah, but we're taking like we're taking this guy. We're zooming in on his on his Tarzan crotched crotch. <laughs> anyway, um, and then it splits right, and it's like nobody in the real world would make their underpant ad do that because that's a, like a like a, that's basically turning your like it's unwrapping a package. It's not a, it's not unwrapping a package. It's splitting the package open and making a hole where there was not a hole before. That you drop panther into. I. It's just there's just there's a lot of subtext there. <laughs> there's a lot of subtext that is overflowing into text, and that's Eloy de la Iglesia. I mean, that's like. There is so much, as Anna, as you just said, there's so much in that one shot that no fucking Spanish fascist censor is going to think about for more than a second. It's just like, all right, the bulge isn't too bad. Uh, That's one strapping young, that's one strapping young hombre. All right, great. Moving on. And it's like, it's literally exploding the penis. It's great. Right? Thank you. Yeah, it's great. It's great, great stuff. Anyway, um, anyway, I loved it. I loved it a lot. It's funny because you're not making an I loved it face. <sighs> I just, it's because it's like, to me, it's it was a lot. like a lot. It's it was a like lot. a lot. And I'm like, I like, <laughs> this happened. And it's like my brain was overwhelmed for like 15, 20 seconds. It's, it's a lot. This movie's a lot. This movie's real good, everyone. You should buy this movie. I was like, am I just seeing trans stuff everywhere? And I'm like, yes, clearly, clearly I am. I always am. But also that doesn't mean it wasn't there. Yeah. Listening to the commentary revealed that the director was gay, which was new information for me earlier today. And so I've just been like processing that. It's like, oh, of course, that explains the whips. It It explains explains a lot of this film. 
Cat Ellinger is so excited about any time that one of the drogues uses the non-whip end of the. She I loves saw right. that. Oh my she god. Loves say, she loves saying phallus. phallus, and she refers to it as a Hitchcock level troll, which is just like, oh, cat, I love your fucking enthusiasm. She's my. She might be my mom. Um. Anyway. Uh, I fucking love her. Anyway, okay, so now the newscaster is uh, talking about, you know, when we come back, unchecked aggression in society. Where does it come from? I don't know. Here's an ad for a blue drink or whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> and then we throw to the source of unchecked aggression in society. Youths. Our drogues. Our drogues. The like four, four guys. Cutest, dumbest looking. They're little, they're little dumb out. First of all, they're driving a dune buggy at night, which is like pretty uncool. The shot's pretty cool though, with the lights going down their helmets. Oh. I want to describe their outfits just Please. so you can picture it. They are wearing helmets, uh, red helmets with snap-on yellow visors, matching green leather jackets, and they simultaneously are like, I certainly wouldn't want to confront them in an alleyway, but while they were kicking my ass, I would also be laughing, you guys look really stupid. Their jackets border on crop top and always reveal their belly button, which is not a very good defense for like motorcycle accidents. Nope. Uh, and they have matching spiked wristlets. <laughs> my, my response upon seeing them was like, I think they're going to go and solve a groovy mystery that involves pulling a mask off a monster. Yay! Yes! <laughs> Maybe it's just the dune buggy, but I was hoping for the speed buggy reference. Yes, and then the car goes to the ghost. I don't remember what speed buggy sounded it's like. It's okay. Nobody it's it's not that important. Not even real. Um <laughs> So I refer to them as the drogues or wish.com droogies, uh, and they all have whips. We now cut to a nice family in like the carousel of progress's room of the future. Yeah. Like this is all just like everything is like plexiglass or glass. Everything is a different color. Everything is square. And they have an even bigger in-panel giant flat future television. And they are watching a toothpaste commercial where a young woman is snuggling with a not-at-all phallic-like giant tube of toothpaste. <laughs> and then it's like, this just in, Stanley Kubrick, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, the audacity. But it's not audacity. No, it's, it's not. Just, it's him having a. It's him having fun. It's him going. This fucking movie's great. You're never gonna get to see it in your lifetime. So here's just a little taste of it. And then he does that one scene from Clockwork Orange. He does that one scene from Clockwork Orange, except, except, except sillier. Yeah. <laughs> and with with a lot less graphic uh, assault. That's cool. That's yes. cool with me. So it's a little like father, mother, kid. You're watching it. There's Stanley Kubrick's picture pops up on the screen and they're just like a clockwork orange. It exists. This, by the way, is what the producer decided to use as one of their promotional images. <laughs> and that's why people who haven't seen the movie think that the whole thing is a ripoff of clockwork orange. And like, oh, I haven't even yeah. seen all of the clockwork orange it's or fine. read all of the book. And even yeah. I can tell like this ain't it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it ain't. And by putting Kubrick in the movie, his picture, he's just literally going like, "We're just have, we're gonna have a little fun here now, a little bit of the semi-violence." Uh, the dr- if you ever want to hang out, I'm just love putting that up. <laughs> so yeah, the whole family's ready for bed. They're all in their jammies or yep. house coats and whatnot, and kids like. Hey, mom and dad, I'm having a great time. I want to stay up forever. And they're like, oh, your Uncle Dan's coming over. And then bing bong. Oh, that's Uncle Dan. I'm going to go into the door. But no, it's the drogues. And they pile in in their little suits, in their little outfits. And then they bring out the whips. And they're like, cracking the whips. They whip so many things in the house. That's one of the disadvantages of having a house made entirely of glass. Uh, people in glass houses should not let in drogues. Uh, and uh, they make the, uh, they make, they, well, as Cat Ellinger gleefully points out, he uses the end of the whip like a phallus, like a phallus. And, and the guy pokes they have the a wooden handle and it's long it, and it's yeah. definitely that shape and the way they're definitely holding it and yeah. stuff in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Right around, right so, around yeah. the dad's mouth. Mom and dad get escorted uh, off camera. For, for yeah. nasty businesses to occur uh, and... to two to two different rooms uh, for uh, they, they, these drugs uh, simply do not describe. They play the waterfront uh, and we don't have to see any of it, which is real nice uh, because yeah. uh, as Kat points out and as I know from watching a lot of Spanish uh, genre films, you couldn't show a lot of sex in Spanish films, but because rape was considered an act of violence, you could show rape in Spanish genre films. See where this is going. Uh, and so as uh, as Ellinger points out, like then it was De La Iglesia's choice to not show this. And to that, I think we should all doff our hats <laughs> that we didn't have to see this. So the kids left in the room with the blondest drogue. The most sensitive drogue. It, it seemed like it's a very threatening energy at this point, but he just kind of like ruffles this little Anakin Skywalker's hair <laughs> and then just starts breaking all of the furniture and the TV. This is David, who we will we'll come to know him as David. He is the most sensitive drogue. And he is our he is our other lead. This is Chris Mitchum, son of famed Hollywood tough guy, Robert Mitchum. Anna, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, do you think David is blue dabba dee dabba da? It's a good question. What do you think? I say yes. Okay, great. <laughs> I had to get it out of my system. He uh, he he ruffles the kid's hair and then takes a deep breath. And anything that has not been smashed to pieces by a whip, he smashes to pieces with his whip. He just whips everything in the house, possibly everything in Spain. Yeah. All of Spain, all of Spain was whipped that night. Uh, and he <laughs> and for and for the grand finale, uh, he uh, whips the TV. Which explodes in a uh, in a huge burst of light and electricity, and that is the end of our scene. Smash cut to a very close needle. <laughs> yes, this yeah. is where. Oh, oh, okay. So, if you're watching this movie, you yeah. probably shouldn't have listened to the podcast first. But there's an exploding TV and a freeze frame on the kid plugging his ears, and then yes, it cuts to and then it. Medical hard, hard cut. So close your eyes for roughly seventy to eighty seconds. It is a it is a long shot of a long shot. As mentioned, Jen does not does not like needles, and she was just 
I think I I think I had to pause it at this point and let her recover a little bit. The thing so, I found I'm... interesting is that she's drawing blood, and so like she loads up the syringe and then pulls the plunger out and just kind of like dumps it into a, a vial, which is definitely yeah. not how any no. any medical blood drawing is done nowadays. So she all but puts it in her mouth and then spits it. And in. Then there's like Dude. various jars up in the front that are all like red liquid. This movie yeah. loves liquids. So this isn't a special effect, right? Like this is a needle going into an arm. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah. Now that could that could vary. It could be stock footage, like yeah. that could be that could be actual medical footage that they just yeah. pulled. Um, I don't think I don't think they did it live. Um, I hope not. Although certainly, as they like Glacia got into his juvenile delinquent movies, uh, they did his actors and performers absolutely oh. did shoot up on screen. But okay, I'm just gonna. This is probably going to be a bit unpopular, but I don't. I don't. As long as uh, as long as the actor consents and everything, I don't actually think that like carefully putting a needle in their arm is that is that big of a deal. Oh, I don't I don't yeah. give a shit one way or the other. No, yeah. yeah. The, the shock is that it's unexpected and it's huge. Oh yeah, sure. And it's like yes. smash cuts to it, and it's like even even I, who am unbothered by things, was like, oh, that's a little much. <laughs> I like this section of the hospital. It's like these little medical cubicles with glass walls between all of the patients, and then yeah. everything's white, and the patients are all covered in a clear plastic sheet. <laughs> Seems very comfortable. It's the future. It's the future. <laughs> he does, he and his team, uh, De La Iglesia and his team, do a very good job of communicating a slightly it's the future yeah. they do it I, it's i mean it's for the most part it doesn't look too ticky tacky uh mm -hmm. and like this is this is fine except for the weird blood handling technique uh <laughs> maybe in the maybe in uh different spain 1983 they figured out a new method they who knows self uh, decontaminating uh vials that must be it. Uh, so, anyways, it's our it's our intrepid nurse uh, Anna uh, who is withdrawing the blood from a uh, an old sick patient who then needs help uh, being flipped over and is making small talk along the lines of like, "Well, the thing is, I know I'm going to die soon, uh, even though the tests tell me different. And because I'm going to die soon, I'm going to tell you a little uh, something. In seventy years of life, I've had maybe five hours of happiness." And Anna has, Anna says a lot of weird things in this movie. This is one of my favorite weird things, which is five hours. Some people don't even live that long. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, I guess that's true, but like, that's a weird way to fill a hole in a conversation. Yolo, live life to the fullest, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see her saying like a, a six-hour uh, old infant, like. Hey, congratulations! You, you <laughs> made here's it. The, here's the thing: is that like, what do you say to that? Do you are you like, actually, that sounds pretty good? Like, you, you're just like, because five hours doesn't sound great to me. I feel like I've had more than five hours of happiness. Well, we live in a time where they have that energy drink, so that probably <laughs> helped boost it up a little. <laughs> so fucking it's stupid. All she I'm drinks, she other than it. the time that it's purple, but she only drinks blue. She only drinks blue. Some other, just drink. She gives her guests milk. Like <laughs> That's yeah. just a clockwork orange reference. <laughs> it's a little a clockwork. That's a good call. That didn't even. Yes, I know. The milk. I know. But that, yeah. that's what yeah. when we get to that, I always thought that was because she's sort of like a she's acting as sort of like a mother figure to her victims, oh. too. There's something a little mature sure. about it. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, uh, 
And then the guy is like, well, anyways, that's interesting that some people only live five hours. That's an exciting bummer as I lie here on my deathbed. But let <laughs> me tell you, uh, let me tell you the theme of the movie. I read in a book once that there are cities filled with people who don't know they're dead. They walk around, they fall in love, they live, they live, laugh, love. Uh, they buy signs for their kitchen. Uh, Speaking they, of books uh, I haven't read, but I get the sense this is a nod to Invisible Cities, oh, which yeah? I think would have come out in Italy the year before this movie. Spain. The book uh, Invisible Cities by Calvino came out in Italy. Oh, uh, I'm not familiar with that at all. What is Invisible Cities? The framing is that Marco Polo is traveling around and he visits 53 different or 55 different cities. And they're all described in this book. It's they're all fictional cities. Mm. Oh, that sounds awesome. And they're broken up into different section. And there's a section on cities and death. Mm. Huh. Well, maybe that's maybe that's the book he's referring to. Maybe. Uh, I'm surprised Kat didn't shout that out one way or the other, but uh, uh, maybe there are things she does. Even she does not know. But he's like, look, all these people, they're just living, they're laughing, they're loving, they're fighting, they're doing everything, and they have absolutely no idea that they're dead. And uh, Anna, this really resonates with her. She she really, she like, she takes that in. Um, and it is, it is an odd, unsettling moment because it's a weird thing to see her go like, yeah, I get it. I get that implicitly. Like something's up, something's up with our pal Anna. Uh, and now we are at an auction for a gigundous random panel from a Flash Gordon uh, 1950s comic. Yeah. And you never quite see all of the text, but it's something along the lines of a scientist He's not talking. It's just sort of like the corner text. And it's like a scientist works in his laboratory to save the world. But the effort is making is like is like draining him of his mental stamina. It's like me. It doesn't say it's making him dumber, but like all of his efforts to make the world better are making him worse. Mm. And then we cut to Dr. Handsome. Boom. Uh, and he and Anna are there to uh, and Anna's. Very excited about this. A uh, bit of a bit of a comic uh, nerd, I guess. Uh, so uh, she is going to bid on it, and then sitting next to uh, her is a uh, just a real cutie, just a real handsome young fellow. And he also <laughs> wants the comic. Real bad. And they bid against each other, and she trounces him. Yep, but they also sort of make goo goo eyes at each mm -hmm. other. And uh, he, I, I can't quite, I can't quite identify his age gonna go ahead and say somewhere between 17 and 25 potentially right? <laughs> uh and then uh so she wins and he gets up to leave and we see uh that he walks with a uh, a crutch and a leg brace and anna goes hmm, and runs up to him and hands him her business card yeah and says hey you should stop by later anyways yeah. i'm gonna go back to old cucky over here but uh you know <laughs> right. you uh, <laughs> Now, you, her face uh, this entire time is just like, oh, no, I didn't realize you had a crutch and a leg brace. And that's what it sets you up mentally for in the story. And then that's not what happens. Mm -hmm. And the movie does this repeatedly. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's sort of the first time you watch it, it's like, oh, she feels bad that she fucked this guy out of uh, the thing. And then, of course, we come to find out there is an entirely different reason. Yeah, we smashed to like... Uh, 
scene through a window of a blonde curly haired lady making out with a dude in suit in a car right and then that window is smashed by the, uh, the droogs with their whips their phalluses they're phalluses. And they're just messing with these couple. You think things are going to get ultra, but then uh, a cop copter uh, flies overhead. The one moment in the movie where you're like, yep. oh, oh, thank God for the police state. And the drogues are all like, well, David, the most sensitive and caring drug, uh, is like, hey, guys, uh, we should probably get out of there because uh, the cop copter is here and uh, we should go because we are committing, how you say, a crime. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Andy Samberg guy, Andy Samberg drogue, who's yes. like this, this little exactly. like this little ratty motherfucker is like, I'm the guy, I'm in charge. And we leave when I say we leave. Okay, hey, let's by the leave. way, let's leave. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yes. So uh, so they get the fuck out of Dodge and the couple is like, whoo, oh, no, I'm glad we're, we didn't get uh, beat up. Uh, and we go back to the drug cave. Beat up if they were lucky. If they're yeah. lucky. They're in like an underpass or something. They're under a road. It's a, mm. It and looks it's, like it's a It's nicely framed. They just drive the little buggy up. Oh, yeah. And there's this nice arch. And then they have a whip fight for dominance. Yeah. Uh, oh which, which David, which David loses very badly he is he is bad at whips he's bad at the game of whips he is not a winner at the game of whips um and uh he gets uh he gets the shit beaten out of him uh and it's too bad because he's got a real pretty face and his attempt to uh win dominance of the drogue gang uh he he loses and uh, shitty andy sandberg is still in charge <laughs> we now throw back uh to anna's we haven't seen an exterior shot of it, but from the interior, certainly it's like it is a stark contrast to everyone else's future apartments um, and future houses like this just looks like a fucking it looks like a big grandma house. Yeah, there's like exposed oh, wood yeah. and knickknacks everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not modern futuristic knickknacks. It's like Hummel figures and stuff. She walks down the stairs wearing a black nightgown so <laughs> sheer that it may not even be clothes. I'm not sure if they are. I'm not sure mm. if you can qualify them as clothes. Mm. Um, yeah. No. You can tell she's not wearing a bra that she is wearing underoos. Like, yeah, yes. but she. Yeah. You, it, mm, it's like it's. It's the kind of quote unquote clothes you wear to let people know that you don't need to be wearing clothes this whole time. Yeah. You're very prepared to stop wearing these at a moment's notice. To uh, Dale Iglesias' credit and uh, a movie that has uh, not, not a whiff of uh, heterosexual or at least heteronormative male gaze. This Sue Lyon is uh, she's a very talented actor and easy on the eyes. And Dale Iglesias, for the most part, doesn't really give a shit like he's just yeah. like when it yeah. serves the purposes of the movie because we come to find out that she's uh, that she's wearing black and while she may not be a widow uh she uh it's still her calling um yeah it uh like she uses she uses her sexuality sparingly uh because the men she seduces don't need a lot of talking into it uh but mm -hmm. like that's not the reason for the season so this so again it's like it's a really unique Euro cult movie and a really unique Spanish movie because like it kind of, if not entirely, like, and this is the thing that Ellinger points out, all the victims are men, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, a, a, she is, 
she's front and center for the whole movie, but you never get the sense that she is personally being exploited. Whereas with a lot of these other kind of movies, uh, that's up for grabs. Anyways, uh, Anna. Uh, Like, would you be shocked to know, dear audience, that uh, you get get significantly more, if not almost exclusively, um, gazes on the male form than on the female form in this film directed by a gay man? What the? And that's Um, refreshing. So yeah. our young lad from the auction shows up at the door and she's like, oh, thanks for coming by. Come on, come in into my parlor. And <laughs> they have drinks. They go upstairs. She he locks the door. She un- unzips his pants both ways uh, and removes his leg brace. And then they clearly have sex where we're not watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although we do see, uh, we do get about 45 minutes of this gentleman's nipple. It's a lot of nipple, and that's not yeah. the only male nipple. We don't really yeah. see female nipple, but we see no. male nipple, which we is absolutely do. D- deeply unusual. Yes. So this is such a weird movie, everyone. I love it. Um, it's so great. Uh, anyways, um, and uh, yeah, and they they have they have their conjugal act, and now they're watching TV, and it's a newscaster who's like just talking about how great physical activity is as if like, and anyone out there who may wear a leg brace, just remember that you're not a person. If you can't do physical activity, this has been a message from the fuck you, Tony with a leg brace society. <laughs> Bye. Uh, <laughs> I feel a little called out too, to be fair. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's like, and again, what I don't, I didn't get down like the actual name of the society. My notes very helpfully have the Department of Sports and whatever. Uh, but like that's, we don't get a. It's not on the nose a dystopian society, but it's definitely there are a lot of people looking out for your best interests, whether or not you agree that they're your best interests. Uh, And the Department of Physical Activity or whatever feels like one of them. Uh, And Tony is just like, he talks like a guy who'd be in bed with Sue Lyon. He's like, holy shit, this is great. (laughs) He snuggles up to her and they have a little cuddle. It's great. It's real nice. And he's like, this, this is like the happiest I've ever been in my life. It sucks that I have to go to work tomorrow at seven o'clock in the morning. And she's like, Oh baby, why don't you just, why don't you just pretend that we're on vacation and just, you just cuddle up with your old buddy, nurse, Anna, and uh, you know, just go to sleep and don't even worry about work. (laughs) He falls asleep and she's just like, all right, don't let the big bugs bite. You okay. Who's a cute little Tony you are. Oh, what's this in the, uh, what's this in the bedstand table? It's a scalpel. <laughs> it's just a stabby thing. Like it's not even a cutty thing. No. And she, she reverse Excaliburs this kid. She just, it's like, she's fucking trying to strike oil. Uh, she jabs this thing into this kid's heart. Well, first she puts her head mm-hmm. to his chest and we hear thump, 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 thump. And she's like, that's one great heartbeat. Better do something about that. Costello. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what she really, what really gets her, her murder, uh, her murder engine Revan is that heartbeat. And this is where we learn that Anna is in fact, she's the, uh, she's the 17 to 25 year old boy killer. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's she makes her. a face like she just snorted a rail. Yep. <laughs> Her eyes go real, real big. And this was the the first time I watched this movie. This was the exact moment that I was like, I'm glad I didn't read the back of the box. 
Oh, yeah. Because the back of the box literally is like, Sue Lyon is Anna, a nurse who's a murderer. And I was like, oh, I'm really glad I didn't have that information. Not that, it, I mean, obviously throughout the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, you're like, something's up. But it's, mm. a, it's a nice reveal. I love the following part. So she is out, out of the front door of her house. She drags his body and she's got like her boots on and some wide leg pants and like a black leather trench coat. And yep. he's wearing underwear, which in reality should not be there. And she's just like hauling him. He's got a bigger body than her. Past her dogs. She's got a couple guard dogs that are German Shepherd-esque. And it's raining and his body gets slick and she drops it and fumbles awkwardly and just like it's so inconvenient cleanup it's yeah it's like this lady's murdered clearly like enough people to be on the news but she doesn't like she doesn't really seem to be nailing the dismount because nobody nobody's even thinking to no it's it's as if it's as if like we found out who's committing these murders. It's a vase. Like there's no, there's absolutely no way that anybody in this patriarchal fascist society would ever yeah. think for a hay second that Anna nurse of the year, beautiful blonde lady is, yeah. is the boy murderer. Even if they potentially see her dragging a corpse around and be like, hi, Anna, how's it going tonight? You know, same old, same old, just uh, taking someone to the hospital. Okay. Be on your way. And it's a challenge. Uh, so now we're by the banks of a number by the banks of a river uh, or like an overpass by the side of a river. And, like a she just keep, and just, it's like morning now. Yeah. So she doesn't even have cover of darkness. Nope. nope. But there isn't a soul out to see this except the loneliest little drogue. Our little toe, our little toe haired boy, uh, David, the saddest drug who wasn't allowed to sleep in the drug cave uh, because he lost at whips. Um, <laughs> yeah, he sees her just face plant this body into the river. Yeah. He's like, oh, I might remember this for later. And then make sure to, as the camera does, uh, clock her license plate as she mm -hmm. tools away. We are now at the internet for lack of a better word. Yeah. It's a gigantic building-sized computer, uh, or at least, you know, it's like a computer the size of a building in a building with a lot of glass walls and a lot of colorful shit that sits in, you know, that they put in front of the but camera. It's shaped like a brain. They're shaped like a brain. And what this is, is that it's literally like the magnetic computer XK23 or whatever. It introduces itself. It's like, hi, I'm the Illudium Q36 space modulator or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. I am. I'm a big computer. And you just come and you ask me questions. Uh, and regardless of whether or not this could be used for stalking or blackmail, I'll just tell you. And look who's there. It's the loneliest drogue. David is like, hey, um, who's this license plate? What's her address? Where does she live? What does her family do? What's her income like? It's one of those, like, at the time, it's sort of like, that's that's a little sloppy. That's some sloppy writing to get her. Like, it's a it's a buy. It's a mm. buy to get her to, to, to get him over to her house until you realize, like, oh, you can just do that on the Internet now. The yellow pages, right? Yeah. 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 My take on it is less that and more like this is like one of the dystopian aspects where like everybody can surveil everybody else for whatever reason, right? Like you have access to that information yeah. specifically so if you see someone doing something that you don't think is 
in line with what with societal norms you can report them hmm. certainly i can't even imagine why you would talk about that in the middle no, of a I mean, fascist society I, um yeah. yeah shit that didn't even occur to me but of course of course that's so you can narc on people at the same time i feel like any time like when texas was like all right we got this 800 number if you see anyone abortioning call this number <laughs> and definitely uh, a bunch of bts fans or whatever oh, don't sure. just don't just call and say that you saw mario taking pregnant sonic to get an abortion <laughs> definitely don't do that yeah they had a website that allowed user submitted photos oh no yeah. So now we're back with Anna and Dr. Handsome, and she's like, hey, you got a secret project up on the fourth floor. What's doing? And he's like, well, it's pretty secret, uh, but I guess I can tell you because you're real cute. It's like in the space of like five sentences, it's like just he's like he's thinking out loud. He's like, oh, it's real secret. It's real need to know. But I guess I could tell you because you're my cute girlfriend and you probably like to see it. Why don't you just come up and take a look? What we're doing is we're zizzing criminals' brains to turn them into not criminals. Pretty great, right? And he takes her up to the the, the dome, <laughs> the well-lit dome, where there's like the hospital bed with the machines nearby and all of the anatomical models you want. Yep. This is where their security should be as a society, not not on the internet or whatever, but they should be stopping random people from going into the secure medical places just because a pretty guy told them it was okay for some reason. Because he's like, maybe if she sees that I electrocute people's brains, then she'll want to date me. Pretty nice. Um, and there is a uh, older gentleman uh, in his underpants, who is strapped to a table and not forced to watch violent movies, but instead is just getting, uh, well, as Dr. Handsome is like, he's like, so don't freak out or anything. All we're going to do is zizz your brain with a million bazabawats, and then uh, you're not going to be a criminal anymore, and you won't suck. They have a little dial on the table. It's just like electricity off and then all the way yeah. on. Yep. Uh, the other thing is this guy has like a helmet on mm -hmm. it's kind of like you know for the zappings to commence but he's also got the metal underwear on you gotta you de yep. definitely got to apply the shocks to the region you do to, uh, to is, fully reform a criminal is this the same guy that we saw on the hospital gurney at the beginning of the movie oh that's a great question that guy seemed younger like i don't yeah i don't, I don't think remember. this is bloody mm. jesus because this guy's the okay. guy missing a front tooth ah uh, okay yeah. i just yeah i wasn't because face blindness and whatnot. And I was like, that would be interesting if that was, you know, it's a, it's a good question because it's kind of a parallel with later in the movie too, if it, if it is, but I accept that it's probably not. Yeah. Because Jen, for the most part, like people who people pop up in this movie for a reason. Yeah. Like for, like I would say, you know, nine out of 10 times, if you see a character and they talk more than a couple sentences, they're going to come back in one way or another, uh, unless they're like newscasters or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, as it is with low budget movies, everyone who speaks is, you know, is probably going to be uh, in the movie. But anyways, um, so uh, look, nothing impresses the ladies more. Than, uh, than electrocuting uh, an old criminal in the in the face and balls. Uh, and Anna, <laughs> Cognitive ball torture. And like. uh, not cool with it. And it's hard to say because all you see is that she's not cool with it. But like you can kind of infer that A, she's not cool with it because she actually cares about her patients and she doesn't want them to like be subjected to 
screaming and flashing images. Yeah, exactly. But also, I think there's an aspect where she's like, oh, there but for the grace of God go I, apparently. Yeah, I could be strapped to that gurney. I'll come back to this at the end because I have I have thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I feel like there must be part of her that's like, oh, man, I could have murdered that guy. You know, like she's, <laughs> uh, she's like, well, no, he's not her type. That's true. Although, who knows? She likes she just likes murdering. <laughs> and now we're with Gold Panther guy again. Uh, and he's jumping around. He's like, check me out. Machismo, Tarzan, my dick. Here it is. Doing. Yeah. But we're actually on the set that they're filming the commercial on. Yes. Um, and uh, we have uh, a, a very stereotypically gay director uh, fellow. Oh, honey, mm-hmm. that shirt with that belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he I mean, he all but goes fussy, fussy, fussy. Like it is uh, it's it, it, they're doing a, They're doing a gay bit. And if you did not know that the director is gay, probably you might think which is what I which is what I thought because I didn't know. But it is once you sort of peel it is like behind the Spanish, uh, you know, Francoist ideal of machismo is uh, pulling the strings and being in charge of this is someone who stands against everything that this country is supposed to hold dear, which is real fucking interesting. Um, Ellinger points out that this uh, she reminded her of the uh, scene where Sly Stallone is trying to do a commercial in Rocky Two, which I just watched recently, uh, and it was just funny to me that Ellinger watched Rocky too. That didn't seem like something that would be on her dance card, uh, but but God bless. And so we get the sense that, you know, when we first saw Panther guy, he's like strong and buff and blah, blah, blah. But in this scene, he's a little bit of a whipped kitten. Like he's mm-hmm. just sort of like, oh, being Panther, Golden Panther guy, that's not all it's cracked up to be. You don't get a lot of respect. And the director's trying to get him to push his crotch a little more. Yeah. yeah. They're just treating him like a piece of meat. He's a human being, goddammit. It's worth money. <laughs> push that push that crotch forward so we can split it in half. Yeah. <laughs> and now, and now, we're at a little alfresco bar, which doesn't as much seem like a bar as a bunch of tables and chairs that they set up behind like an office building mm-hmm. uh, while nobody was looking. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, tomato, tomato. Um where there are two types of patrons. Older women who have friends and tea and bouffant hairdos, and then yep. young strapping lads who <laughs> may be 20. It's, 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 a, it's a gigolo bar. It's kind it's of a an gigolo. amazing thing. It's, yeah. Yeah. Not to be a broken record, her commentary is great, and I shouldn't quote the whole thing, but she she made a connection that I did not to specifically Italian movies, giallos, crime movies, is that there is always, always, always a scene of prostitutes by the side of the road warming themselves by a garbage can, um, <laughs> and terrible things happen to them. Uh, and in this movie, it's dudes. It's dude prostitutes who still have a nicer time of it because they're at a very nice fern bar with like violin music and far side ladies. Yes, Anna. So last last time we saw um, Anna in her house when she was doing when she was doing her her most recent murder, I said to Jen, you know, she has a lot of wigs for somebody who doesn't seem to wear any wigs. This is the scene. (laughs) This is the scene where we pay off the wigs. She's a little lady just sitting in the corner reading her Lolita. And I laughed Uh, and laughed. Wait, wait, what are you? I don't what are you guys? 
She's not. Anna's not in this scene. No, you're right. It's, it's just a different. It's just an old it's lady. Just, it's, just, it's just an old lady wearing far side oh. old lady glasses who just happens to be reading a little bit of Nabokov <laughs> at the uh, at at the uh, boy bar. Uh, I will. I will. Jim was say- like, "Are you into? You're into this, aren't you?" And I'm like, "Shut up." Melito didn't clock it. What? Uh, really? He, he was like, he was like, like it was like five minutes. It was like, oh wait a minute, that's her. And I was like, <laughs> was it when? Was it when she went into her own house? Because <laughs> she does that's the eyes giveaway. thing again. Like she pulls down her sunglasses, yeah. and Gold Panther guy walks in and scopes everything out, and then they make eye contact, and then it's like, that's the seduction all done and wrapped up. They go home together. Yep, uh, they get like a little car ride. We get a little bit of them in the car, and he's just talking about like, yeah, you know what? I stay in real good shape. I'm Gold Panther. I'm doing it. I can lift. I can punch. I can kick real high. Whatever. He's clearly doing super well. Yeah. But also, also, this isn't my this isn't my full time gig. I'm I, I do commercials. I do a bunch of things. You know, gigoloing is just a, a literal side hustle. You uh, you you know I'm a gigolo, right? You know you got to pay for this. And she's like, oh, I can pay for. I have a lot of money, so I can get you to do a lot of stuff. This is going to work out. It's going to work out great. Uh, Now we're back at this old lady's house. Maybe she lives with Anna. (laughs) And he's he's immediately got his shirt off and he's like, hey, this is peak performance, right? Like you would pay (laughs) so much money to put this in a commercial. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) This is what this looks like um and he he is in he's in good shape but we also get the sense which we did from kind of the beginning like this guy is like two weeks over the hill but to him it is like i just to pull an analogy out of thin air like a scalpel in his heart um (laughs) and uh and then he's like uh uh, I hate being a capitalist tool. I don't know why I'm doing this. I wish I didn't have to do this. I wish you were younger and blonder and pretty. See, he was really relatable when he was ranting about capitalism, but then when he's when he was like, you know, like, oh, why aren't you young and blonde? I was like, eh, you know, degree to disagree. He tries. He tries to couch it. He's like, look, don't take this personally, but you're old. <laughs> I just wish you weren't so old. I just wish and you weren't. And whatnot. I wish you weren't so old. Slash, you look like you're playing the grandmother in a junior high production of Our Town. Um, <laughs> Battle. This is this is bad old lady Drake. Dame Edna's more convincing. <laughs> well, that's because soul. Dame Edna has wrinkles. Yes, well, Dame Edna, but Dame Edna had been doing that since the 60s. Oh, that's for sure, yeah. Um, anyway, and she's like, oh, a young hot blonde, you say? Well, just give me a second. And then oh, she, wrinkles her, she wrinkles her nose like Samantha and Bewitch. Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> she's on the stairs, and she's wearing a white gown. Like, she's an angel. Look at her. Young, yes. beautiful, innocent. Gold Panther is like, well, just kill me now. This is the greatest <laughs> night of my life. I can't imagine anything getting better than this. And they do it. And he falls asleep. And she puts her ear to his chest to hear that old familiar lub dub lub dub. And then stab a thunk, <laughs> and a single drop of blood falls on the front cover of her copy of Lolita. Well, fine, Iglesias. We've all seen Watchmen. Shut up. <laughs> predates Watchmen by I know, I know. A very, a, a, like a couple of days, I think. Um, Just a little bit. Uh, anyways, uh, David is outside. Uh, he has peeped that uh, the resident 
lady has a guest tonight and also dogs. Yes. Yes. He's been watching this the whole time. And then, oh yeah. And then, so the drop of blood on the book and we all go, I can't imagine imagery better than that. And then Sue Lyon in her blood covered volume nightgown takes a 45 minute, just fucking just walk in the sunset. Just walking, just walking across her front yard, staring into the middle distance, lit by God's mind itself. And it is, God damn, it's a great shot. Uh, There is a reason why Cauldron uses this as its menu shot, because it's fucking astounding and a million times better in context. Boy, oh boy, it's good. My only complaint is that if you haven't already seen the film, it's a little spoilery. Anna, this is a fully spoiled podcast. Yeah. Uh, No, I no, I just meant for my like. This is always the problem with DVD menus, though, or Blu-ray. This is like the favorite because I'm 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 working on that spoilers. Uh, Yeah, yeah. uh, Where the thumbnail and plex was Emma Stone's nudity. The favorite for you. (laughs) For me, yeah. Oh, good. I mean, you're the only one that saw that. Not sure how I feel about this. And now we're back to the brain zizzing room where Dr. Handsome is talking to the chief administrator. Oh, we're, we got, we are in the brain zizzing room and then we cut to Dr. Handsome talking to the chief administrator. Colonel Clink. Colonel Clink. <laughs> I zizz nothing. Um, and uh, he, he is like, hey, so as it often happens in murder investigations, the police have asked the hospital to help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he gives this, like, cock and bull of, like, you know you ziz crime brains, so you must know a lot about crime brains, so maybe... Since the zizzing has been working so well. Yeah, because yes, you, yes. you're killing it. You're you're shooting free throws <laughs> from the paint. You're nailing it. Um, so maybe you can solve crime? Also, scalpel involved, you doctor? Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? So, uh, and and he's like, yeah, obviously. Obviously, I'm the guy to do it. Get right okay. on it. Did anybody think, like, before the scene resolved itself, um, that they were going to arrest him? Yes. They were just like, put, like, being like, here's all the reasons why we think you probably did it. That never even occurred to me. That's hilarious. Is it another one of those things where I just got, like, I missed a step. I was just like, well, that's not the direction I expected. Yeah. I was just like, oh, of course they're asking this guy. And of course this guy who's a, who's a pompous Mm -hmm. jackass is just like, yep, I'm the guy to do it. But you're right. If this were, by the way, if this were Giallo. Yeah, it would absolutely have been him. And Jean Sorel has literally played that part. That's the part that he plays in Fulci's perversion story. That's the part he plays in every Giallo I've seen him in. The guy who gets accused of murder, but didn't do it. And in this, they're just like, ah, we don't give a shit because we already know who we already know who the murderer is. So it's more than just becomes a scene about John Sorrell is very full of himself and is yeah. like, yeah, I got this. I'm just I'm, I'm so good looking in a bland way. Obviously, I can solve murder doings. And that's what he tells Anna when he picks her up in his car. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I'm so great. Mm-hmm. I'm really handsome. I've been zizzing criminals. I'm going to solve a crime. Sure. It's probably a homosexual guy who's stabbing them. But you know what? I think outside the box. I'm a genius. It could even be gasp. A woman. A woman who's sitting next to me in the car right now. 
who's also good with scalpels. <laughs> Whose name is Anna. Yeah. But probably and then, not. And then Anna puts one finger in her collar and pulls <laughs> yeah. it out and goes, nang, 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 nang. <laughs> <laughs> her face just loses all emotion in that fact and she just stares straight ahead she's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's uh you sure like it's a very different movie um <laughs> then it's crime wave and now we're back we're back to hers we're back to uh yeah, the house they're having drinks she's yep. having her blue he's having like a very tall whiskey and we got a little background yeah. on, on anna and why she's so fucked up in the head this was her parents house well it was her grandparents house her parents were filthy hippies who were faking the funk because they were just bougie jerks uh, who were trying to pretend to be hippies. There's a lot of that going around in the early 70s, to be sure. The grandparents died. They got this house. And the two uh, the two of them killed themselves with barbiturates. And now I live here. The end. And it wasn't suspicious at all. Do you think she did it? Yes. I yes, don't, I do. I don't think she did it. It's questionable. It's hard to, it's hard to nail down a lot of her motive and what she does and does not do the the absolute contempt that she has for them makes and and the fact that she seems comfortable murdering people makes me at least very strongly suspect that she could have done it but she only seems to murder people that she feels wicked bad for yeah. And the amount yeah. the amount of acrimony with which she talks about her parents, I chose to take it as her Joker in the vat of acid moment. You okay. know, she walks in on her dead vomit caked parents or whatever, the blue with the tongues hanging out, and that and her brain just went, I'm out of here. Uh and and then from that moment on, uh she uh she did crazy. Devoted much. herself to mm-hmm. uh, leaving some suffering in the world. Yes. And that's why that's why she loves blue drink because it reminds her of her parents dead blue corpses <laughs> no anyway so uh dr ham sandwich puts their drinks aside <laughs> and grabs her hands and it's like yes you know what we'll fix this smoochies and she's like no get the fuck out of here <laughs> no you should leave i've i've told you before but get out i definitely don't have to dress up in male drag and go to a gay club not just not just any <laughs> Uh, oh, we're not there yet. We we're have, not we gotta, there yet. We no. gotta do. We gotta do drogue shit. Uh, look, Ugh. we see a drogue. Uh, what are the What are the sub drogues? It's his friend. It's the one that didn't whip him yeah. when he lost the whip fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's the second nicest drogue. The second nicest drogue, which is like not saying a. It's well, he's the second. He's the he's the one who's the nicest to David. Yes, and he's not he's, anybody else. He's warming himself by a little hobo fire and David walks up and David is not wearing any of his drogue wear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little drogue's just like, hey, you didn't steal all of our money, did you? Because our leader, Andy Sandberg, is saying that you stole all of our money. <laughs> and David's like, I didn't do anything. Also, I'm done with this this joint and he rips the face mask off his thing and throws the visor in the fire and it melts surprisingly quickly oh he's completely rejected his his gang he doesn't doesn't see i don't know yellow anymore like the rest of them and really the sheer sack (laughs) but i guess no honor among thieves the sheer sack of being mad that somebody stole your stolen money is just like (laughs) hey if i stole some money and then somebody stole it from me i'd be pretty ticked off i earned that money through theft valid um and uh and and david 
I David hears this and then proceeds to not think about it for the rest of the movie. The fact that these guys think that he stole money. He should have probably like written a written a little note to himself or perhaps a string around his finger or a rubber band around his wrist that he would snap whenever he wanted to say spend a lot of money. Just don't, don't conspicuously consume for a while. In one ear and out the other. Well, yes, he's, he's yes. saying he's like um, staking out a, a place to rob. So he's got his own plans. He's going to do his own thing. Oh, yeah. Certainly nobody will, uh, will conflate the two things. Yeah. And then we're panning across this bar and there's no foreshadowing that it's a gay bar. There's no there's no indication that this is going to happen. It's just like, oh, there's some couples. Oh, there's a lot of same sex couples. Oh, those ladies are mm-hmm. kissing. Mm <laughs> hmm. It's a nice gay bar. Everything is either bronze or red velvet. Or like oak. Yeah, there's opera playing. Everyone looks great. The women are all like uh, dressed like, you know, Virginia Woolf and the men are all dressed like that director. I don't know why all the lesbians have the same hat, but that might be a 70s thing. That's the lesbian hat. It's, it's lesbian. so that you every so that you can confirm to everyone that you're a lesbian. Yeah, that's the Spanish 1983 of the past future lesbian hat. Yeah. And this is one of those things that I wish Ellinger had sort of elucidated upon, which is like if if homosexuality was such a no no, how do you show a gay bar in a movie? Mm. So there's, um, and I don't know if it's been mentioned at this point in the movie. I feel like it has been, but there's this whole thing about people t- getting tested when they're young. And being like being assigned yes. codes and stuff, and so it's like if you're assigned the code that says you're homosexual, it there's an implication that you're very limited in what you're allowed to do, but it's not illegal. It's just that the the powers that be need to know who the homosexuals are and probably like to know where they're going to be, and as long as they stay within the probably very rigid confines that are allowed to them, they're okay. It's also like a lot of the behavior is. I don't know, a little bit subtle would get by censors. Yeah. Like the, the sure. two women kissing could be a greeting kiss. A, a thousand percent. Uh, a man rubbing another man underneath his collar. And maybe that's just friendly, you know? Yep. Maybe they're just pals. Yeah. Old collar squeeze. Uh, but, mean... like, but it is, it, this is, this is a gay bar. And it's, yeah. and it is fantastic. It's lovely. And Anna is dressed up to be gay. Yes, I am. She is literally, she is literally dressed as like a possessed schoolboy from a, from like an omen ripoff. Oh, she looks so good. She's like a she young so Julie Andrews good. in a suit, but the suit's a little too big. Oh, so she she's looks like, like Julie she's Andrews 12. and Victor Victoria. She looks twelve. She looks like she plays the bass for Herman's Hermits. Like she yeah. looks, she looks like she's possessed by the Dark Lord of Lies. Like mm. there's a lot happening here, and none of it's bad, and all of it's great. One of the lesbians at the bar tries to come on over and pick her up, and she's like, "No, not today, thank you." <laughs> Before Anna walked in, we get a brief sort of lingering uh, shot of uh, of a sad, lonely uh, leather vest boy who is like again. If he's he's 20, if he's a day. He's so mm-hmm. nervous. He's checking himself in the mirror in the powder room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Anna, like if you if we could see her heads up display, we would see like target <laughs> subject acquired. This guy feels bad. And the two strike up a little conversation at the bar. This is where she's drinking purple instead of blue. Yeah. Oh, because they have like just 
sitting out like martini glasses and whatnot with like various colored liquids that all look like I imagine that they're amazing and they are definitely colored water. It's a booze buffet. They just put yeah. out cocktails and people are like, hey, I'll, take just, oh, I'll take one. And meanwhile, at Anna's house, David bribes the dogs and then sneaks in the window. Yep, for certain values of sneaks. <laughs> it's not parkour, but it is a little dangerous. He also does break the window to get in, which is less subtle. It's like uh, Roxanne? Yes. Yeah. All of the lower windows on the mansion are barred. So he gets into the house just as Anna and uh, and Lonely Vest Boy pull up. Lonely Vest Boy is like my second, third favorite emo band. <laughs> and the lead singer looks like uh, Anna dressed up as uh, Damien slash... It's true. <laughs> and it really... <laughs> it's really something to behold. See... Indeed. Uh, anyways, um, so now they're there. She's like, hey, how about some waltzes? Um, the two sort of begin to dance around. She leads uh, as David peeks from behind the curtain. She starts to get like really smiley and like the the, the, the best boy starts to warm up a bit instead of like just being like anxious. Yeah. David is basically in full view of them whenever he looks out the look look like peaks like he's just basically pulling it apart and like hey everybody i'm just looking don't mind me and the boy mentioned and then at the bar and then reiterates like i don't go there a lot i only go there when i'm lonely this and that and uh and anna's like well why don't we do other things and he's like yeah remember how you picked me up at a game but the thing is is that i don't <laughs> i saw I don't... the way you were dressed and i yes. thought that maybe you could help me with my problem of being assigned H at birth. Yes. You know? And this is where we learn about the punch cards and how you take, you take a quiz in high school and they, they decide whether you're gay or not. I think it was alluded to earlier in some, some dialogue too, but I can't prove it. And she's like, Hey, well, look, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Let's get and he's naked like, in bed. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Why the fuck not? Um, and uh, and and because that's and, how that works. Yeah, well, that's how that works. I mean, it's not not how that works. Let's to be fair. And uh, meanwhile, uh, David is rattling and a rambling around mm -hmm. this house, which is the size of Spain itself, and uh, he's like stumbling up a back staircase with his trusty, rusty uh, flashlight. He goes downstairs into what's obviously a haunted psychiatric ward. Yes. yes. Basically, as if this had a tractor beam that was pulling it in, he walks directly towards <laughs> Anna's magic chump trunk, uh, where <laughs> she keeps all of her little mementos and why thank yous from uh, everyone she's dispatched. And uh, David opens it up, and why look, there is there's a crutch, and there's a leg brace, and oh, and here's a nice little musical box. And he opens it up, and there's all her lucky scalpels. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's it's a little dextery. It's a little dextery. Uh, and now David's eavesdropping at the bedroom door, and and Vespa are having real talk. This is where they talk about the psychoelectronic test. Um, and it's uh, this is a really amazing monologue, which I will not do justice. But the the thrust of it is like he gets his test result, which is a computer punch card. They've punched an H into it, mm. and and that night there was something on the news about like 
the f- not the first man in space, but something about the space program and how only only the best men, only the finest men get to go up into space. And that's when he thought to himself, I'm never going to get to do that. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he started crying. And it is absolutely fucking wrenching. And she's all like, there, there, sweetie. And she reaches under her pillow, pulls out her stabber and stabs him. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. even wait for him to go to sleep this time. She's just like, I think she, she listens to his heartbeat though a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She gives, she gives, she, she's like, okay, oh, you have a heart. Let's do something about that. Typically her mode, her, her modus operandi has been to like make people real happy and stab them. But in this case, like dude is not, is still not happy. Right. Uh, so this is either, this is like, it's not the uh, same as the last two. He may not have had a happy ending. But he he was relaxed, <laughs> and she is oh, saving him okay. from a life of pain. Do we think? Do we actually? Well, is that I what don't she's, know. Did they hook up? I don't know if they did it. I it's I think it's real implicit that they did. I don't. I'm on the fence because it's not like it's not like when we cut to them, they're both like no. Uh, it, so yeah. I don't. Even, There's like, a lot of know. cigarette smoking in this movie, and none of it is yeah. this lad. Maybe Anna in her head is just like, well, first of all, it's like, well, this kid, this is no, this is no life for a kid. Uh, although I don't know if that means that she now thinks that every gay person needs to be stabbed in the chest. But like this guy seems to be taking it especially mm. hard. Well, he's not as gay as some of the gay people in the gay bar. Mm. Yeah. Gay meaning happy in one of those. He doesn't fit in. And that's, I think, yeah. her, and that's her good enough. type. Her type of person is someone who doesn't mm-hmm. fit in. It's the aging actor. It's someone who has a disability that's visible. It's, you know, just someone who doesn't feel comfortable in life. Okay. And, and if they're, and if their uh, together time was not necessarily uh, of a sexual nature, mm-hmm. you do get the sense that this boy feels heard. That okay, he feels sure. that he feels seen mm-hmm. in a way that nobody else has, and that she does feel affection. She does like sure. him. Yes, I. I mean, not that it really matters, but I do feel like it, at the very least they gave it the old college try. Yes, yes. Whether they were successful, or not. and then she she cleans her scalpel and she washes her hands and she takes off her wig and she's just like ah, all in a night's work. But wait. Who broke this window, yo? Hmm. Yeah, she's in her her murder disposal gear, and she steps on glass. It's crunch, like, oh. And now newscasters are at the scene of a crime. The killer struck again. The cops have no comment. The viewer should be furious. The movie was short by a few minutes. Like, this is like... They had a substation (laughs) nearby to film at for some reason. Yeah. in In a movie... In a movie that is like fucking drum tight and moves, this is just like to remind us the media exists. Yeah, you know, the it's cops like, technically exist. They're not calm. Yeah. I mean, listen, look, I'm never going to complain about a scene that shows the cops being incompetent. <laughs> and yes. I'm not going to complain about scenes that are behind the scenes and stuff that's being filmed, like the earlier studio shot for the commercial yeah. and this, where yeah. we get to see like the newscaster's cameraman with his harness on. Yeah. It's like just a shoulder and a hip thing, which is kind of yeah. weird to see. So I like that. 
That's interesting, and I wonder if that's techn. I wonder if that's what TV technology was of the time, or if they may, or if they prognosticated what a camera would be like mm-hmm. ten years from now. There's also an interesting spot where they're like counting in for the throw back to studio, mm-hmm. and back and forth, and seeing like what people do off camera versus on camera. Eh, it's very that, quick, though. That's mm-hmm. interesting. You know, you know what? That is interesting. I think with the uh, Golden Panther guy, we get some of that behind. That is a means to set up that we're going to spend more time with this guy. Whereas mm-hmm. this scene is just like the cops are useless. This camera is cool. I love this movie to pieces. And so it's the it is the height of nitpicky to be like this 30 second scene doesn't necessarily need to be there. So it's like, well, whatever. And it does kind of let us know that, like, aside from um, from David having Suster out, she's not really in any danger of being found out at this point. Yes. The the cops are still useless. Um, now. Anna. Peepy peeking out her top floor window, sees David just hanging out by her front gate. Makes vampire eyes at him. <laughs> He's given one of the German shepherds a good little scritch. And she's like, well, time to get back to work. She comes out. She's like fucking Bugs Bunny. Like she's (laughs) She's like a Veronica Mars. This is exactly what Bugs Bunny would wear. She's dressed as a maid. Oh, that's so true. Yes. Uh, So she's got got her hair in a little brown chignon, like, you know, all tied back. And she's got like a little maid outfit. Uh, Not not like a sexy, sexy maid outfit, but a maid outfit. It's not not sexy. a little bit though. She's like, "Tee hee, I'm all alone in the house. My masters are away. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for a long walk at night, stranger." <laughs> that dog should have bitten your face off. And he's like, "I guess dogs just like me. You want to go for a walk? Let's go." Uh, you're a ma- oh, and then David says something like, "Oh, David, you're not a real human being either," because it's like, she's like, "What do you? I'm the maid." And he's like, "Oh, you're like a human appliance." I'm like. I guess that's a weird thing for a human being to yeah. say to another like, well, human being. Well, you can't being. just do whatever you want. And he jumps on a wall and is like yelling. Oh yeah, I don't want to be useful. I want to be. I want to be useless. I don't want to be because you get the sense that everybody, like Franco is Spain. It's like mm-hmm. everybody has to be working for the greater good. Everybody has to be a useful, functioning member of society. You know what I say, Franco yeah, is Spain, as if that's not uh-huh. as if that's not exactly mm-hmm. how we live right now. Mm-hmm. That that's not exactly the hustle. Uh, the ever the ever moving forward hustle um so yes uh but anyway uh but he's just like i'm a free thinking guy i don't want to do shit blah 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 i'm awesome and then she lures him back to the house they make out they do some smooching yeah and uh oh i forgot that when david broke in when she was seducing vest boy he knocked over a gong oh, it's not right. important other than that the gong comes up again. Other than the fact that he's terrible at breaking in and being quiet. (laughs) Like my comment at the time was like, you literally bumped into the loudest object in the house. Beautiful. But he's good. He's good at climbing. Uh, He's adequate at climbing. Well, he's going to climb this maid. Are you, are (laughs) Josh, Josh made a face. Like, I'd like to see you climb that house. (laughs) I couldn't do it. I don't have oh, any. I, I'm not saying I could do it. I could yeah. maybe do it. But he didn't, you know, I mean, I've right, seen better climbing. We're going to Spain. <laughs> we're going to find this house. <laughs> and break in. Um, uh, all right. So uh, she's like, hey, how about some? Uh, and he's like, yeah, that sounds great. And now, uh, and now she's like, 
hey, uh, you know, let's go upstairs. Uh, let's go to the master's bedroom. Won't that be <laughs> real, very sexual? And he's like, hey, before that, I want to give you a little something. He reaches into his jacket and pulls out the music box, which would, and this is me being picky, wouldn't fit in, in an inner pocket of a jacket, but, you know, we're all, we're all friends here. Pulls What's out the, the thing and put... That's right. It's a his waist it's is a, cinched. His waist <laughs> is cinched. It's a tesseractic jacket. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's a bag of holding jacket. It is. It's the jacket of holding. Uh, and uh, he pulls this out, and he's like, "Is this your card?" And opens it up, and he's like, "Hey, who loves scalpels? It's you, because you're a fucking murderer." Plank, plank, plank. <laughs> it's blah 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 blackmail time. Yay! <laughs> How about you give me a lot of money because I know you murder people. Yeah, you're real. You're good at murdering people, and now I'm going to be. Good. And you this live in a, this big, big house. This is not a movie with a lot of jokes, but she says, yeah. "What do you want, money?" And he's like, "No, I want a lot of money." That is a very good line. It's a great line. And then he pops her wig off. It's just like, yeah. "I knew you were this Anna the whole time." Ha ha. Master gets disguised my ass. And he does not give a single solitary tin shit. That she's the murderer. He's like, nope. hey, you know what? Follow your bliss. Keep on murdering. You just, you know, you just got to pay the piper. All right. Have a good night. Just Go do let David wet his beak. And now we have a little payoff montage brought to you by the POV shot. <laughs> David goes up an escalator and we see what it would be like to go up an escalator. Oh, look. Anna's at the top. See, Yes. It, that's a crazy shot because he's like ascending, but she's all dressed in red. It's just oh. like. It's funny. Yeah. This is now, if The Shining had already come out by now, I would say <laughs> this was an homage to The Shining. Sure. Uh, maybe this. Maybe The Shining was an homage to. It wasn't. Um, no. Nope. It sure. It sure wasn't. Um, so yeah, it's like he comes out of the subway, goes up an escalator. She gives him money. Now he's at the. He's at the fun fair. He's on <laughs> one of those. He's one on one of those vomit shake him around. Uh, that you rides. push I yourself propelled yeah yeah oh it's counterweighted yeah. and he swings himself it's like a it looks like a lot of fun actually yeah yeah but he lets himself out and he hops a fence and he gets her money and then he goes to the store where okay there's a plinth that's rotating with a motorcycle on top of it that's begarlanded and then there's someone on the motorcycle is that person a real person or a mannequin is this someone's job at a dealership to just sit on the one bike That'd be a great job. I might get that job. No, uh, I don't have anything you else to really? do. Really? You think? I, I don't. It's a. It's, you can't it's play on like your phone. being a living statue. Only <laughs> you have to <laughs> no self-expression thoughts the whole time. So it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's if you're the motorcycle. So, oh yes, which is also a mastodon. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, um, because Goodfellas hasn't come out yet. Uh, <laughs> David does not know that you should not spend conspicuously after coming into a lot of money when people are wondering where a lot of money is and are accusing you of taking a lot of money. He'll never see those guys again. He burnt his yeah. face mask like it's gone. They don't yeah. know him. Yeah. They won't you recognize don't... his pretty hair. It is just a little thing to point out that when when people aren't having a conversation, when there's nothing particularly going on, half of two, three quarters of the time, there's just a commercial for something happening in the background. It's a bit like the fast show. Yeah. That, yes. Uh, and, uh, and that's no exception at 
this motorcycle shop where there is just some canned PA system going like, this is the new motorcycle. Pretty great, huh? It's got wheels. Did you just have a lot of money and you want to be on a motorcycle? This is what you would want. Um, which is weird. Uh, that's a weird thing to do because you'd feel like that's what the salesman do. But the salesman just stands there and, and, and David goes, I want that motorcycle. And the salesman's like, I don't even have, sure, I'll just take your money because yeah. I have a robot Commission. to do the nice. commercial. Yeah, done. Uh-huh. Uh, credit or cash? Cash. Um, and even he, better. And he drives out on his new fancy motorcycle. And then we learn that this is a Christmas movie. And <laughs> it's so weird. If you don't think I'm going to bust this out again in December because Kayla hasn't seen it yet, you've got probably when this episode comes out, uh, we will. Uh, that'll be it'll line up just great. Uh, yes, I am a hundred thousand million percent watching this at Christmas as a double feature with Goodbye 20th Century, uh, which I recommend to Anna. Do y'all think that um, this is intentionally set at Christmas or it happened to be Christmas when this part was being both. Yeah. Ah. Why not both? Uh, why not? I mean, Good certainly, point. certainly it's the most, it's the most consumery holiday. Uh, mm. Obviously it is the most like, it is the holiday most associated with charitable acts, acts of kindness and grace, which Anna foot Anna fully believes she's in that business. Mm-hmm. Sure. And a super religious holiday, uh, as evidenced by the fact that uh, uh, oh, we're not we're not we at the church there. quite. Oh yeah, we are there. Well, before we are there, David's like la la la. I'm driving around on my fine new motorcycle. The three drogues all but poke their head out uh, from behind a tree with one head stacked on top of the other, like an Anna Barbera cartoon. Uh, and uh, they go, oh, that's a nice new motorcycle David has. Should we murder him? And the other one's like. No, let's see how this plays out. Let's wait exactly. <laughs> let's wait exactly two minutes and then murder him. <laughs> and now we are at midnight mass, and a priest goes on about God stuff, and who cares? And uh, and Anna is in the back by the candles. Maybe that's where that restaurant is too, because uh, there's a thousand million candles. Uh, and uh, and David walks up and is like, "Ha ha! It's envelope time! Yay! It's the best time of day!" And she's like, "I'm running out of envelopes <laughs> and money." I'm not made of envelopes, you know, <laughs> but she's like, Hey, this is the third payment this month and I'm not a millionaire. So this is going to dry up eventually. And he, and he has a weird response, which is like, that's okay. This is a Christmas present. And it's like, okay. That's a you problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically that's like, a go fuck yourself. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anna, the angel of mercy had a church at Christmas. Uh-huh. 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 Virgin <laughs> conception, immaculate. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, anyways, <laughs> time to get time to get on my fresh new motorcycle and drive off to have a wonderful evening. Just my motorcycle, my What's money. What's that behind and... me? Oh no! A it's dune my... buggy. <laughs> <laughs> it's David. <laughs> I dune buggy sputtered a lot. <laughs> no, that's Roger Rabbit. Anyway, it's the drogues. They see David and they hit their horn, which isn't like, which isn't the, you know, isn't Dixie, but it is, it is some tune. It's like, it's the Kyra Sarah ringtone. Even, even the third drogue is making the angry face because he thinks that David stole their money to get this, this hot new bicycle. Yes. 
they, they take off road immediately down like a garden path around a roundabout through a tunnel it's great it's good it's great there are there are a couple of moments where you can see the previous tire tracks from previous takes in the grass oh no i didn't that notice that gonna... there's a no, there's a couple of moments that are, uh, uh, let's say, evocative of the car chase from Babes in Toyland. <laughs> wow. A couple moments where they're just kind of in a small space, sort of like chasing each other. And I was just like, this is, this is okay. a little uh, similar. With the, with the exception of those scenes. a little scenes. similar. I'm not saying it's not So this is better. deliberately a Christmas movie because David runs <laughs> no. into a Christmas tree. Yes. Like yes. that is a set dressed tree that he is supposed to knock into and break his spine. <laughs> By the way, in PS, for a movie that is mostly just people having conversations and then stabbing each other and wearing wigs, this car chase, with the exception of those scenes where they're driving around in very tight concentric circles, this this no! fuck, I this take fuck. that back. Okay, there's this. a roundabout with a central upper raised path around like a plenty thing. And so the camera is down in the roundabout and the buggy and the bicycle are up higher and they swirl around and halfway through they cut to a top down shot. So it's like a different location there's, short there's sort of motion pass. Like, this car chase fucks. It's great. This is a great car chase. I don't think it's not a great car chase. I'm just saying that there are a couple of moments where I was like, oh, you know. They did it an interesting way. Yeah. Oh, listen. Even if it's even moderately evocative, it is like a million times better. And it's in a much better movie. And it has it has my favorite my favorite scent from any exploitation movie, the sweet, sweet smell of dangerous things being done with not a goddamn permit or anybody's oh, sure. permission. Ah, ah, so <laughs> great. So great. Um, anyways, so as Coriander pointed out, uh, David, uh, he he hangs himself on the Christmas tree. He slams into it and whatever isn't broken on him from crashing into that tree at speed. The drogues break the rest of it. They now fuck him up so bad, so mm -hmm. bad, including but not limited to recreating the end of that Panther underwear commercial with a knife. <laughs> they use yeah. the, the spiky wristband. The leader oh, yes. man is just like, ha I'm going to show you scram. And he, oh, I've never and it, seen a spiked wristlet actually used as a weapon. Yeah. I, on no, someone's but, crotch, especially. No, look, that's got to hurt. A lot of blood comes out. Oh. They don't whip him, though. They're past that. They do use the whip and rub the whip on his face. Oh, that's true. They do use it as the phallic symbol. Yeah. And now, the obviously, the cop copters say, oh, there's a dead body in Sector Zero it's Dark Six. one of those six. rebellious youths. I know him anywhere. I know where we should take him. Hops it all. And now uh, Dr. Handsome is sitting behind his desk and he gets a call on his future video phone of the future. From his boss. Who's like, hey, uh, we got a we got a rebel. We got one of them rebellious Utes. Uh, we were thinking he'd be real good for the Ziz machine. And uh, Handsome Doctor is like, yeah, that sounds about right. Let's make him listen to a frequency only the young can hear. I think it's funny that we like to make fun of like the the face-to-face -face future technology, like we're not on, like, you know. But we're not on a tiny CRT machine or a back-projected rear-projected screen. You don't know how I watch this production. 
It's a, it's absolutely true. Um, you know what? And all it comes down to is that the one thing, it's not the one thing, but they envisioned, they were able to envision like we might have video phone technology. We mm. might have this, we might have that. What they didn't put together is that it would be eventually all the same device. And I think that's, so that's like the, that's the kind of, that's yeah. the failure point of the forward looking. Nobody clocked that microchips were going to get this big and oh, you yeah, would be no. able to actually have the Dick Tracy watch. Mm -hmm. Phone, internet, music player. This is amazing. Coriander just generated a black turtleneck on her own person. <laughs> I don't quite know how it happened. Now she's going to go murder a tech bro, a sad tech bro. Good for her. No, I think uh, if I've got black turtleneck, then I've got to do some blood testing in, in Walmart. Nice. What? Nice. It's a, uh, it's an Elizabeth Holmes. She's Liz Elizabeth Holmes now. Oh. She's a mom. Oh, my. <laughs> Are you standing Liz Holmes? Sorry, Lizzie. <laughs> there were, there were Liz Holmes. There, oh, of course uh, Liz there were during the trial, but they were dressed like her, like they were fucking Manson children. It was amazing. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's bring this in for a landing. David, sure. David's in the hospital and he is housed. He cannot tuck. He's got cotton up his nose. He can only go uh, and he can barely even do that. Only one of his nipples is visible. It's, <laughs> this is an obvious emergency. <laughs> um, and where there's this an exposed where there's an exposed male nipple. <laughs> <laughs> there's Nurse Anna. There's Nurse Anna. Boy, oh boy. The feeling of how fucked am I? Like to open your because I don't think this guy knows she's a nurse. No. No, no, no. Probably so not. So imagine this motherfucker. You opening is is like oh, I can't wait, doesn't move. you know her profession though? From the internet? But of all the gin joints. Oh, yeah, no, sure. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Um, maybe he does. I don't know, but still, this is like. It doesn't matter. It is I, not... I doubt that's the first thing it's on okay, his mind. It's okay, though. Don't worry. Up. She's here for him. She's got yeah. it all under control. He'll be fine. You're around 17 to 23, right? Yeah. <laughs> around, around there. Look, I think, I think Tarzan Man was like in his 40s. It could be. I think their 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 homosexual uh, profile was a little off. Now, Doctor Handsome is like, "Hey, I don't know if you heard the news. We're gonna zizz that boy's brain." And Anna's real bummed about this. She doesn't, and you can't tell whether it's like, "Hey, I was gonna eat that." Like, if whether or not she was gonna do mm. it, or if she Ellinger Ellinger thinks that she has genuine like she genuinely likes David, even though that she's black, she being blackmailed by him, and we have no evidence of that, and that like that she regards him as someone who is already free and liberated, so doesn't need to be free and liberated. Yeah, but that's like, the thing. It's like mm. when they have the first interaction after he blackmails her, she goes and wangs the, dong, the gong. She, go, she goes and hits the gong and is like... What did she do? Wangs did she the gong. Wangs it, you said wangs the dong, I and did. I just went, I'm five. <laughs> Sorry. Get it on. Get it on. Oh. Wang a dong. Get it on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, she gets this look in her face that's just like, oh, but I kind of liked him anyways. And that kind of happens repeatedly as she hands over the envelopes to him. It's yeah. like oh, he's you. the first living person she's met because he's nonconformist, but hmm. he's also happy with his life. 
Yeah. And now he's busted, so she's upset because he was the first living person she met, and now he's mm. going to get his brains izzed, and she knows that that deletes person. Yeah, and right. there's only... And there's only one cure for that. <laughs> so she's like, hey, what if we don't do that? And Dr. H is like, the fuck do you care? Uh, and then he says something like, the intervention is easy when they're young like him. And again, Ugh. what I that stuff that I read about that anti-homosexual law that they passed in 1970, I just went, yikes. And then he's like, how about we go for dinner? I'll meet you here later. Sure. Doesn't he, he shows her like the, the amazing results at this point though doesn't he? yes well unbeknownst to us until exactly this moment the giant ziz room has what looks like one of those giant giant in panel tvs except it's just a one-way mirror where through it is the discreet <laughs> charm of the bourgeois like it's like <laughs> welcome to edwardian england yeah hi oh, we're just we're just doing this where it's like a it's like they're at, at epcot or some shit it's three guys in tuxedos saying things like the thing is about the new televisions is that they have have integrated chip models and or something or whatever the fuck. And they have like yes. guardian footmen that are in powdered wigs. Yeah, like parliament or some shit is there. Okay, in this case, one of them is the guy who we saw again yes. Ziz before. The yes. Man. yes. 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 Okay. Mr. Ziz. And Dr. Handsome is like, eh? Eh? You, you see, you're worried. You've been all, <laughs> you've been all like a worried little school kid about the us zizzing people's brains, but can't fuck with the results. These guys are now insufferable uh, upper class middle twits of the year. <laughs> the system works. Yay, we duns it. Spike the Hooray. football or the rugby ball or whatever. Tear it. Um, all right. So now we cut to uh, Anna maniacally, her eyes as fucking big as a ring light, each pushing a gurney down the Mario Bava hallway. Uh, it is just, it's lit red. Like there was a sale on red gels at gels all night, 24 hour gel shop. And she's like, hey, look, as long as we've got a few minutes to talk before I murder you, I'm just going to Scooby-Doo the rest of this. I don't like doing murders. I'm just going to, I'm going to say that right out front. It's not my thing. I don't get a kick out of it, but it's just that when these fellas are with me, it's the happiest moment of their life. Yeah. Thanks black lizard. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. It's a big <laughs> meal before their execution is the sex. Like it doesn't really matter if she's attracted to them. It's just that she has to, out of some compulsion, give them yeah. a good time and then stab mm -hmm. them. Well, mm -hmm. she wants them to go out on top or however Bottom, position. You know? Yeah, whatever <laughs> yeah. position they happen to be in. On top, missionary, whatever. Yeah. Wait, that's the um, and it's just, and she's like, you think an awful lot of yourself, young lady. <laughs> um, but she's like, they're miserable until they meet me and I love them all so much. And it's everything's going so great. You can't just send them back out into the world. What you have to do is murder them. She's like a reverse angel. Yes. From the TV show Angel. Vampire again. Yeah. Yeah, Angel the Vampire. Because if he was happy, he would lose his soul. Yeah. But if they're too happy with her, she right. has to kill because him. Because they're dead so already. Yeah, he's, he's paralyzed and can't move, and she plonks a big box of scalpels on his junk, and then mouth kisses him very awkwardly. Like yeah. She's hoovering, and he yeah. can't do squat. Yeah, Ooh, it's, You know uh, what I liked about this movie? 
that? among the other things I liked, is that they actually did open mouth kissing instead of that weird closed mouth smoosh smoosh your faces together, but we can't show open mouth kissing in this movie for some reason. Kissing that they do, usually do in films of this era, which I find deeply unsexy. This is also not sexy. No, 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 but... This non-consensual no, this kiss one, with a paralyzed no, This man. one specifically, but previously, yes. Previously. Previously in the film. Previously on Murder in the Blue World. Open mouth, deep tongue kissing. <laughs> Eloy de Iglesias style. Nipples akimbo. Be murders in the Blue World. One of my favorite little moments is that like she reaches over, she's got the big box of scalpels and goes through them like a golf player. Just like, oh, it's a pretty tough lie. I'm going to need them 12, I think. Your sternum looks a little sturdy there. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to need a five iron for this one. Um, and uh, she quotes Poe which I did not transcribe, but I'm sure it was very on theme. Uh, and then uh, and then Dr. Hansen rolls up into the lobby and is like, where's Anna? He's like, I don't know. Uh, and then we cut back and uh, Anna is listening for David's heartbeat. So we know what's a coming. And then uh, Dr. Hansen's looking around some more. And then Dr. Hansen finally finds a comic book reading nurse. Where's Anna? He's like, Prepping that patient for surgery in your big yeah, ziz room that you really have that everyone knows about. <laughs> and Dr. Handsome comes in to see David with a scalpel in his heart. We don't see mm -hmm. the kill. He's we already don't. dead. Because this movie loves David. And we don't want to like we're giving the movie is almost like Anna is being like, I hate that I have to do this because you're not my jam. The only reason why I'm doing this is because they're going to take away the you and right. you that I like. So the better plan is for me to murder you. But she didn't have to do it somewhere wherever, where, where, where Dr. Ham Hamson would walk in on her and see her with her scalpel buried deep in someone's chest. It's true. But I think at this point she understands. I don't, I don't, I don't think she not, not wants to get caught at this point. I think, well, I think she might understand the game is, is up. Oh, that's not what I think. What I oh. think is she wants to get be, between the having seen that the procedure works and admitting that she hates do that. She doesn't like doing this, but she's compelled to. I think she's setting herself up as the perfect candidate for a little brain zizzing. Yeah. Either either way, she wants to be stopped. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. But I think uh, her hope is that they'll they'll zizz this shit out of her brain, re regardless of consequence. But this is also like the only time she shows emotion in the film because yeah. she's yes. upset, she's distraught, she's mm -hmm. killed a man, she she's loved this one person. She definitely doesn't mm -hmm. love Doctor Handsome. No, no. The shot of her, she so Doctor Handsome walks in and is like Anna, what TF? WTF? Uh, what TF? He says what TF? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely just as long as saying the whole sentence. What TF? Uh, and Anna. Actually, WTF is long anyway. And Anna, like her head has her head's draped over uh, David's uh, dead body, and she lifts her head up, mm -hmm. and it is just this fucking astonishing shot, widescreen shot, hair swept to the side, and her face just splattered in blood. Yeah, and. And like, and it's one of those shots that, like, if more people knew about this movie, this would be a poster that hung up in film kids' dorm rooms. Like, this is just, this is an iconic shot 
And she says to uh, she says to Doctor Handsome, like, "Can't you see? I've just killed a man." Mm. And it is, she fucking knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. She's so she's so good in this movie. She's great. She's great. And while that's failing outside, uh, inside the TV, where the violent men that have been reformed are having a nice chicken dinner, they're getting a little bit more agitated. One of them grabs a bottle, smashes one of the parliament members in the head. There's like these freeze frames on every violent act. Yeah, and they just they... go ham on each other. <laughs> they're they're wearing the Heathcliff ham helmets. They're like they're really they're really gonna do it. What's he know? One dude, one dude gets his throat slit. Like uh, De La Iglesia was no stranger to using violence in his films, uh, and he just he just saved it all up for the end in this one. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, there's a throat slashing. There's a bottle breaking. There everybody everybody murders the shit out of everyone, and then two guys sort of bloodily flump against the uh, the the two way mirror. mirror. Yeah, the one way mirror. The two way mirror. The one way mirror. Um, and uh, then the screen goes into cartoony vision and splits in half hmm. not unlike say someone pants and that is the end of Elo de la glacia's fucking spectacular murder in a blue world copyright 1973 here's my defense of my uh of my thinking that part of why um anna has done this in this way is that she wants to get zizzed is because thematically it makes that ending like tie into what's just happened right because it's like oh the process doesn't work so a like these people are fucked dr handsome's kind of fucked but she's fucked because she did this and she was hoping that she could somehow be cured and that's not going to happen now either yeah i think that's fair that's fair that's a that's a fair read of i it. just feel like it adds more resonance yeah. but i, I don't like, think there's I a reason to mention that it might work on women earlier in the script unless it was mm. setting her up for thinking that yeah did you two also happen to think that even though it is a one-way mirror the very act of anna stabbing uh david in the heart let the smell of murder into the air yep. that like some kind of resonant frequency mm. was tripped that the guys were like hey you guys smell that oh shit it's murder let's do some i didn't but that's an that's excellent yeah i don't disagree um yeah, well, I'm I'm entirely happy with this movie, and yeah. I, like I said, I would the next time I watch it, I would probably do the dub just to see what it's yeah. like. Yeah, maybe same I'll, at Christmas. I'll do it at Christmas because this is a Christmas movie. I think we talked the hell about out of this movie. Um, do are they, any any final thoughts? No, I no? think I I think I covered everything I wanted you- to. I- we done I, it. Thank you for uh, thanking you for uh, getting us to watch this, Josh. It was yeah. uh, real good. Hey, everyone. This is a hell of a movie. If you haven't gotten that idea, uh, you can get this on. Uh, just look for uh, Cauldron Video online. Uh, they're selling it, but I think you can get it on Amazon and stuff. And if you want to want Pete more uh, Eloy de Iglesia, both Cannibal Man, which I cannot recommend enough, except it is, it's the opposite of this movie in every way, shape, and form. Uh, it is preposterously violent. It is. Uh, it it is not shiny and futuristic like it takes place. It takes place in the shittiest part of Spain. Uh, it is it is bleak as fuck, but it is great and some great murder. And then no one heard the scream, which is again fine. Uh, I liked it. It's okay. 
there's other Spanish Gialli I like a lot more. And now what I really need to do and what I should have done before this episode is I need to watch some of this Queen Queen Queen's, which uh, I believe uh, all of these are sold by Severin. I think Severin has most of Iglesias' stuff, with the exception of Murder in a Blue World. Anyway, that's that. This has been Hey, Check It Out. I'm Josh A. Kagan. You can find me on Instagram at Josh A. Kagan. I'm Anna Wasserman. You can find me on Instagram and sort of Twitter uh, at Gold Sarcasmian. I'm Coriander Dickinson. You can find me on the internet at a domain name that we own called TiltyHouse.com. Good night. Bye. Goodbye.